0: Good afternoon, it's not morning, sorry. 1210, good afternoon, Nashville Life. Um, For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. My name is Alvin, I serve as lead pastor here at, at Nashville Life, I'm honored that you're with us. Hope you've enjoyed yourself so far. The music team was awesome today. Thank you, music team, for giving it your all as well as our production team and guest services, everybody out in the lobby, in the parking lot, and Kids Life working downstairs, (laughs) prayer team, finance. It takes tons of teams to, uh, and by tons, I mean like 14, 15 teams to put on Sundays, so thank y'all all. all. Uh, Not to mention our other team, our life group leaders that are about to start this week. Can't forget about them, um, but yes, it's a good time. We are moving into the fall time of life uh, for our church. It's always a time of growth and momentum, uh, so much to the point where we are expecting uh, a lot of people we're seeing some exciting growth happening in the church, particularly with our 10 a.m. and our 1145 services, which are great. Um, but I do want to let you guys know that there is an 830 service that's on fire. And uh, it's it's the least attended one, but it's actually the, probably the most energy. Like, they they are committed, and it's a, it's a fun bunch. And I want to encourage those who have been coming for a while, and, and if it fits with your schedule, it might not work for your life, but if you're open to it for September and October, I would love for you to consider the 830 service just to make – room for all the people who've been coming to the 10 11 a lot of newer people uh, i would love to make room for them so they can all come and uh, see what we're about and experience god through our church so if you've been coming for a while and you haven't done 8:30, i would highly recommend it and suggest it at least for september and october and let's just see how it looks for that so just be thinking about that if it works for you i'd appreciate it um, but otherwise just keep coming to where you're coming i love seeing you and the more, the merrier, right? Um, I want to uh, honor my eight-month, almost nine. Are we nine? Nine-months pregnant wife, Jasmine. <laughs> Home stretch, guys. So be praying for her. She was under the weather this week and feeling better back at church. It's good to see you here. But, uh, yeah, we were in that window where they say it could happen anytime, guys. So... <laughs> So, uh, be praying for us in this exciting time. Pray for her more than me. Um, and, um, yeah, who knows? Next week we might not be here. I'm not sure. But it's, it's, it's exciting, exciting, exciting. So, you're doing great. Glad to have you with us. Um, all right. Let's get into the Word. Let's get into the Word. Uh, repeat these words after me before we get into Scripture. I always like for us to say this. Say, the Word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Okay. Um the Book of Colossians is the series that we are doing. Um it's been a great series, four chapters, uh, four weeks. We've been doing a chapter a week. And uh the cool thing about Colossians, I wasn't expecting this, but as we were reading it, I saw that the vision of our church was like laced throughout this whole this whole book. And the vision of our church is, is following Jesus, building leaders, that's, that's the mission statement of the vision statement for Nashville life. And we, and we do that via four steps. We help people know God, and then we help them find freedom, and then discover their purpose, And then make a difference. And today we're going to talk about that last step. Make a difference. Which is really the ultimate destination for for every human being, honestly. Especially Christians. Is for us to make uh, an eternal difference on the lives of people around us. We actually have the ability as Christians and the authority and the grace to change people's lives eternally. Not just for a little while. We can actually help change the eternal future of people's lives and that's a, that's a huge responsibility but it's a great honor and if we work together it can actually be a lot of fun doing this so I'm excited it's getting to Colossians 4 and my prayer is that through this chapter you will be stirred up and motivated to make a huge difference on the lives of people around you and then wherever else God takes you. Um, Colossians 4 Verse 1, let's go from the top. It says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So Paul is really uh, preaching uh, the fear of God. Walk under the authority of God. Live your life as someone who is under authority. Christians, one thing we all have in common is we are all under the authority of the master, Jesus. He is the head of of our group, he is the head of the body, he is the king of our lives, and we are under his authority. Um, And we should live our lives like that all the time, but especially when we are exercising um, a degree of authority, whether at work, maybe you're a manager, or you're a supervisor, or you're a landlord, or you're an RA at the dorm, or you're a parent, or you're a husband, any kind of authority position that you find yourself in, um, the best leaders, we lead as someone under authority ourselves. And if you live, and if you lead that way, it'll keep you um, humble, it'll keep you walking in integrity, and it'll keep you um, gracious and fair in the way that you treat uh, those who uh, sit under you in whatever regard, whatever position. So that's just a a nugget to walk in the fear of God and to to live under God's authority and to lead under authority. Um, Verse 2 through verse 4. Paul says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So, Paul is committed to a mission. Ever since the road to Damascus, he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And God convicts him, he tells him to repent, and then he gives him a calling. And he says, you are going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You are going to bring the Gentiles into the body of Christ. And, and you're going to do it. And he gave him his anointing and his spirit. And Paul has been going ever since. And the mission that he brings up in this passage is for the gospel to manifest. Which means to come alive. To actually materialize and become uh, tangible. And, and particularly, more specifically, for it to be expressed Through people, when people uh, when something manifests, it's 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 being expressed in real life through people. So, uh, like Saturday, we did a uh, we had a prophetic prayer meeting where people practiced prophesying, and that's an example of the Holy Spirit manifesting through us, like His words, His love being being manifested through our words and our actions. Um, it can also happen with uh, darkness. The devil can manifest through people. People can actually, the devil can actually be expressed through our actions and our our words and our attitudes and things like that. So it works for good and for bad. And for what what Paul was saying is that he wants the gospel to manifest. He wants the message of the good news to come alive through the people that he's preaching to. He's like, I just don't want to preach the gospel. I want it to reach their hearts and actually start to come through the way they live and the way they act. And that that was success to Paul, not just to talk, but for his words to actually come alive through the people that he's preaching to. Um, This can look a lot of different ways. Uh, For the gospel to manifest, it includes salvation spreading It includes the authority of Christ being recognized. It includes the work of the devil being destroyed. Jesus said that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And that can look a lot of different ways. That can look like people being healed. If someone's healed from a disease, that's an example of the works of the devil being destroyed. Um, If someone is uh, reconciled after like a, a broken relationship, that's an example of the work of the devil being destroyed. If someone overcomes an addiction and something that really had them bound and they break free from that, all of those qualify or can be categorized as the works of the devil being destroyed. And then another example of the gospel manifesting is when uh, gospel messengers are multiplied. When more people... Uh, graduate from just hearing the gospel to speaking the gospel. Uh, More and more people can cross that threshold from being a hearer to a doer. Uh, These are the ways that the gospel is manifest throughout a community and throughout a society. And Paul was praying that for the Colossians church and I believe we're praying that for Nashville life and for this city, right? Amen. Verse 5 through 6. Uh, Paul says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. That's another word for non-believers, people who are who are who have yet to start following Jesus. They're not with the program yet. They're not in the spirit yet. They're living their life. They're doing their thing, but they have not been born again. So Paul says, walk in wisdom towards people like that. Redeeming the time, he says. Let your speech, when you talk, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, he says, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So this is adding another component to our mission because not only are we called to make a difference, guys, but we're called to make a difference within a limited amount of time. And that's a part that I don't want to brush over. We are working with limited time, everybody. Um, on two fronts, we, the clock is ticking in both ways for us. The clock, the clock is ticking on your individual life as a human being. We all have a limited time on this earth as mortal beings, um, even the saints. We, 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 our bodies uh, die. <laughs> um, <laughs> in case you didn't know that. Um, and then... Uh, the clock is ticking on the earth. Jesus is coming back soon. And if he was coming back soon when this was written, then I believe he's coming real soon in 2023, right? So so we're working with limited time, and that changes the vibe. When you're doing something with limited time, it changes the way you approach situation. The example I gave is if I had two rooms, and I told one room, your project is to, to build this chair. And then i go to this other team and i say, okay, your project is to build this chair in 15 minutes. If you look at the teams, you would see a major difference in the team because one is doing the task outside the context of, context of time. They can take a break. They can chill. They can say, let's do this tomorrow. There's just a different kind of leisurely way they go about it versus the ones who have 15 minutes. The people who are building the chair in 15 minutes, every minute counts, every second counts because they're working with a limited time. Paul is trying to let the church know that we are working with a limited time. So there should be a degree, not anxiety, but urgency. Urgency is different than anxiety, guys. Anxiety is fear-based. Urgency is this is important and I am focused because I don't have a lot of time and I got to get stuff done. There's a level of urgency that God is calling the church because it's very simple. We have limited time on earth and Jesus is returning soon. And when he comes, guys, no one can repent anymore. When he comes back, the, the, the window of opportunity to choose him closes we're still within the time where people can change and, and turn over to Jesus, but that time is limited. So he's wanting the church to, to, be, in, to be in sync with that truth, and he's hoping that the limited time uh, will, will cause us to up our focus, to up our efficiency, to up, to up our, uh, yeah, our timeliness of, of, of sharing this mission, Sharing this message, I should say, of the gospel. Uh, we, we sort of have to be, we had to become uh, what I'll call gospel opportuni- opportunist, Gospel opportunist, where we are looking for opportunities. And the way this looks is every time Paul says that we talk to someone who's not a believer, or maybe we're not sure if they're a believer or not, anybody that we are not sure if they are saved or we know they're not saved, um... You have to interact with them uh, with intention, with wisdom, knowing that there is a fight for their life. There's two sides that want every person that you come in contact with that's saved. There's the Lord that wants them, and there's the devil that wants them. And you have to make up in your mind, first of all, which side are you on? And make sure you act accordingly. (laughs) So if you're saying, I'm on the Lord's side, act like it. If you're saying I'm on the devil's side, cool, act like it. Don't say you're on the Lord's side and act like you're on the devil's side because that's confusion, right? So the Bible says, Jesus says, you're either helping me or you're hurting me. He says, you're either helping me gather or you're scattering. There's no in-between, guys. There's no neutral there's no neutral team. There's no, I'm not really for him, but I'm not against him. I'm just here. That doesn't exist. Jesus says either you're helping me bring people in or you're actually assisting the enemy on scattering people. That's what Jesus said. So when it comes to us, every time that we are around a non believer, you have to ask yourself am I contributing towards their salvation or am I contributing towards their sin? Am I making them want to go further from God or is my life and my behavior and my tone and the way I'm speaking to them drawing them closer to Jesus? I'm not even saying that everybody has to pray the salvation prayer that you meet. I'm not saying that you've got to seal the deal and lead every single person that you come in contact with to Jesus Christ. You can. That would be awesome. But I don't think that's the message that Paul is sharing here. He's saying that when you meet people that are not believers at least make sure that your words and the way that you treat them is at least stirring up a desire towards Jesus. Make sure that your, your, their time with you is, causing, is drawing them closer to God opposed to making them want to drift further away. Pretty simple, right? We can do that. Verse seven through eight. Uh, Tychicus, a beloved brother, Faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, Paul says, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. Uh, So this is the beginning of a section where Paul, uh, he does this in most of his letters. And he starts to uh, call out individuals by name. Um, and, and efforts to honor those who labor. Paul was a worker, and Paul believed in working hard for the kingdom of God. He did not play around. He didn't have much tolerance for lazy Christians. Um, he, he was a, a stickler about work because he knew that in order for us to bring the light of Jesus to every nation in the limited amount of time that we have, we don't have time to lollygag. We don't have time to sin we don't have time to mess around. So whenever he found a man or a woman that was laboring for the kingdom of God, he was really good at, at, at honoring them in his letters and he, would, and he would say this person's name and this person's name and, and that way people can know that there are great men and women who are doing some serious work to expand the kingdom of God. So, so he honored those who labored and, and we're gonna see him do it uh, in verse nine through 10. Verse 9 through 10, um, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to all, sorry, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Um, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you receive instructions if he comes to you welcome him. So Aristarchus is another guy that's in prison with him for the same reason. They're behind bars because they're sharing the gospel in areas where it wasn't welcomed. And even though it wasn't accepted by their society, they still were sharing, they were getting caught and being put behind bars and literally serving time. I mean, talk about being inconvenienced for your faith. You know, like, that's a whole nother level. We're not talking about the inconvenience of like an extra day of the week you know, uh, I, I was there Sunday, Lord. Sunday and Wednesday, that's a bit much, God. I mean, that's kind of our culture, let's be honest, which is why I love the Bible, because it, 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 it confronts us with a biblical standard of what Christianity um, can look like for us. There's a level of commitment. There's a capacity for inconvenience. There's a, there's a grace for, for suffering. That, that the believer has on their life to where we can actually go through difficult things for the cause of Christ. And this is, this, these are great examples of people who, who, who walked this, they lived this. Verse 11, and Jesus, who is called justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Verse 12 through 13, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Erepolis. I see what Paul is doing here. And it's very intentional. He is confronting and exposing the Colossians church. To what we'll call the necessity of labor. When it comes to the kingdom of God. He's, he's educating and exposing this group of people. To a standard of work. That, in case they didn't know what was expected of them, they know now because of this letter, working in the kingdom of God is work, <laughs> even with the grace, even with the anointing, even with the joy of the Lord, even with the supernatural strength you're going to break a sweat sometimes, and that's okay um, it, 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 it's it's labor, so even in his language, he uses words like so-and-so, a bond servant of Christ, and so-and-so, a slave to righteousness. And, like, he's, he's using language to let people know that this is serious work. And I feel the need for us to understand this because, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and I, and I love our church, but I, I know our church, and I kind of just I, I have a pulse on where we're at. And and sometimes I hear people, you know, you just little phrases here and there, you know, things that are harmless, but they end up creating bad form and bad theology. Things like, you know, who I knew was God, it was just easy. That's how I knew it was the Lord because it was just, it was just easy, and it's like, okay. But what about when it's hard? Is that, does that mean it's not not him when it's hard? If, if ease is the mark for God, then we're toast. Because what about the scriptures where we pick up our cross? What about the scriptures when we deny ourselves and suffer so hard? And that's why that's, so I'm always like, okay, cool, praise God. I'm, I'm, and, and there's times where it's like that. I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't bless certain situations where it is smooth and easy. Not everything should be a struggle. Because that means maybe it's not God if everything is a struggle. But at the same time, guys, we have to be uh, balanced and we have to, don't get me wrong, I appreciate the ease. I appreciate the seasons of smooth, but God forbid we can only function if things are easy. We're, we, can't, we won't do anything. The minute that there's resistance, because what I'll see too with that same person is the minute that it's hard, oh, that must not be the will of God. That's too inconvenient. That couldn't be God. That's not going to make me happy. It couldn't be God. And you start to see the theology that's that's behind, that's, that, that culture and, and expectations has formed to where we've departed from these guys in Scripture that were putting in real work, blood, sweat, and tears under the will of God. And then with us, if we let culture and we let the status quo and we let convenience, which let's be honest, our country is just addicted to convenience. If we let convenience be our determiner of what the will of God is, man, the devil's got us. And I don't want him to get us. I don't think you want that either. Last part, uh, verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician and Damas greet you Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphas and the church that is in his house. So Nymphas was having a a church service at his home. Uh, Verse 16, now when the epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And that phrase that Paul wanted them to tell Archippus is what I believe the the Lord is saying to us today, and that is take heed to the ministry. Take heed means to grab, to seize it tightly. I'm telling you, it's got to be a tight grip because the winds of this life and temptation and fatigue and persecution and insecurities, all that stuff, if you don't have a tight grip on the ministry, you will not last. you got to take heed of that, and you got to refresh that grip literally da- daily. And I'm telling you, and that's for all of us. That's just not a pastor talking. This was real for me way before I was a pastor. I had to take heed of my calling and my purpose, even when I was working in healthcare or doing music. You, if, you aren't, if you don't have a tight grip, if you aren't determined to be a Christian, who is a minister of the gospel, honestly, anything less than determination, you won't last. The resistance in this world and the resistance in your own soul is too strong. Anything less than a stubborn determination to stay in this will prove, I promise you, it will prove to be too little. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Apparently, he received a ministry in the Lord, and I believe that all of us received a ministry when we received Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 says, when you are reconciled to Christ, you were also given a ministry of reconciliation, which means they came together. There's no such thing as, I received salvation, but I didn't receive a ministry. And And I believe our, our culture reflects as if it's like each sold separately type deal. Like, I'll take the salvation and hold the ministry. Or <laughs> I'll take the ministry and hold the salvation. That's a whole other sermon. Um, but, y'all, they come together. It's almost like you can't separate being forgiven and having to forgive. Culture tells us that you can pick and choose. I'll take the forgiveness, but uh, I'd rather not forgive that person because they did too much against me. And honestly, God, that just doesn't seem fair to me. Now I want to be forgiven, but I do not accept the fact that I have to forgive. And we really walk away like we just said something to God, like we really could call the shots like that. Like we really—that was great, God. Amen. And we go on with our day. I, you know, I, just, I, had, to, I had to give God my boundaries, you know. I'm learning about boundaries, and, you know, I, I, I receive forgiveness, but th- that forgiveness, that's just a violation of, of my personal, you know, boundaries. And, you know, God is understanding God. He's like, he's a, I mean, I, that's the stuff that's in our minds, y'all. And that's how we're talking. The Bible says if you don't forgive them, then he won't forgive us. So just like the receiving of forgiveness and the responsibility to forgive are one and the same. The salvation you receive and the ministry that you now have to, to give salvation to others, they come together. The minute you received Jesus, you received a ministry. The minute you received salvation, you received a purpose and a call on your life to help other people see God. And it's one and the same. And the more we can embrace it as one, the more seamless your life will be. This is supposed to be seamless, guys. This is one thing. The ministry of reconciliation is something that you are expected to give because it's something that you've received. And anything that you've received, guys, just so you know, anything you have, you can give. The only time you can't give something is if you don't have it. If you don't have 20 bucks, you can't give 20 bucks. (laughs) That was was funny. Oh, man. Uh, But if you have 20 bucks, you can give 20 bucks. So if you can't forgive, maybe you haven't received forgiveness in your own life. Because you can't give what you don't have. But if you have it, you can give it, and guess who knows it? God. Because he knows what's in your pocket. He says, I know I gave you that 20 I know I gave you $20. I know I gave you mercy. So that's why I can, I can judge you when you didn't give mercy to that person that owed you money. And you said you'll never forgive that person for what they did to you. Because I know you have forgiveness because I, I gave it to you. I was seeing uh, one service. I was at a church service once, and it was like a prayer meeting, and there was a woman who couldn't conceive, and the Lord blessed her to be able to conceive a child. She ended up having four kids. And uh, they are at a church service. This, this happened years before the church service, and there was a woman there that couldn't conceive. And the woman that was holding the church service, she was about to pray for her the woman that wanted her and her husband wanted to conceive. And before she prayed for her, she said, you know what, wait a minute. And she called the woman that received healing and had four kids. And she said, come down front, lay hands on her stomach, and pray for her to conceive. And the woman ended up having babies and all that. It was awesome. But my point is, because that woman had received the gift and the blessing and the healing, she was now eligible to impart what she received. So this woman who had four kids, I think she was pregnant at the time, it was so powerful, she laid hands on her stomach and the woman received healing through the woman that received healing by God. So it's just like that with salvation, guys. When God saves you, you now have the ability to minister that same salvation that you received to somebody else. And I feel the need to make this clear because I know the enemy always works in your mind saying, I don't know what to say, and I'm not qualified, and I'm not perfect, and I just messed up yesterday. I'm not, I'm not eligible to say, hey, the question the Holy Spirit is saying is, are you saved? Have you received salvation? Well, yes, then you can give it. Just tell, just tell them what the Lord did for you. That's all. The woman at the well, she had one conversation with Jesus— and after her encounter with Jesus, it was seamless. She immediately went. She wasn't a theologian. She didn't go to Bible college. She didn't have a lot of maturity. But she had an experience with Jesus, and that was enough for her to go and say, Y'all, I met a man who told me everything that about my life. Y'all should come meet him. She just shared what she received. And a lot of people came and met Jesus because of her. So I don't want. I just really want to crush that idea that you've got to be high and mighty and mature and I have a long gray beard to be effective in the kingdom of God. Because it's not true. It's not true. If you've received it, you can give it. Last part. Last part. Um, Colossians four eighteen. This salutation by my own hand, Paul. He says, "Remember my chains." Grace be with you. Amen. Um, The literal version of the chains was he was in prison when he wrote this. So I guess he had literally had chains on him. I'm not sure. I don't think that's the chains that Paul was talking about. I believe that every day that Paul woke up, he voluntarily chained himself and bound himself to the mission to share the gospel with other people. And... When you, when you remove the option, this is for some of you guys, this is for all of us, we have got to learn to remove the option to separate ourselves as Christians from the cause of Christ, of sharing the gospel. Too many of us have said, well, you know, I'm saved, but that's for like the evangelist team, or that's for the the outreach team. I'm on the music team. You know, that's what I do. You know, I, I, I sing, but I don't, I actually, not in this church, but I had someone actually say that. Like, my calling is to sing. I'm like, there is nowhere in Scripture where it says your purpose in Christ is to sing. Like, your purpose in Christ is to share the gospel and make disciples. Now, will that involve singing? Cool, yes. But that is not, like, that's, a, that's, that's not true. That's not true. All of us are called to take part in, in speaking and living and acting in a way where it draws people to Jesus and you lead, him, you lead them to having a relationship with him. And I think the reason why I wanna just, I mean, it's the last verse, but I love that it ends on that note is I really do think some of us need to reattach ourselves to the ministry of reconciliation. I think some of us, maybe even uh, unintentionally, maybe subconsciously, you've you've divorced yourself from the ministry. You still have the salvation. You still still claim that, but you don't claim that you're called to to lead people to Jesus. And today's the time to reconnect, to, to reattach the full gospel, which is not just I'm saved, but I'm saved and I've received the ministry of reconciliation. And through my life, people are going to be reconciled to God. Through my words, people are going to be reconciled to God. Through my decisions, through my, my attitude, through, through my, my work, people are going to be reconciled to God. And notice I said people are going to be not, you know, I, I, hope, I hope he lets it happen or I hope this works. No. This is who I am. I'm a Christian. And every Christian, according to 2 Corinthians 5, has received the ministry. And the Lord is calling all of us to fulfill our ministry within the limited time that we have. So we need to wake up, y'all. There's, there's, there's things to do. Uh, there, no one can afford to be on the sidelines in this game, y'all. No one can be on the bench. There are too, the harvest is too big for any Christian to not be regularly engaged in seeking and serving and loving the lost in a way where they can come to the knowledge and a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen? All right, I want to pray. Uh, Father, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that all of us would just uh, repent and and. and Change our minds, Lord, from seeing our salvation and the ministry that you've called us to as being separate, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would reattach the ministry and the reconciliation that you've called us to to bring to the world, God. I pray, Lord, that we would see that as one with our relationship with you, God. Let Let us... Fulfill the ministry that we received when we received Jesus Christ, God. Let us fulfill it, God. We know we have limited time, God. So I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to wake us up, Lord. I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to give us a greater sense of urgency, God. Lord, I pray and uh, come against anxiety and fear, Lord. You're not calling us to that. Lord, so let us not step into um, anxiety, God, but let us step into uh, an urgency and a focus. Lord, knowing that every day is precious. Every person that we come in contact with is a person that you are trying to reach. Help us to re- Help us to rethink how we even approach our lives. Help us to see people, strangers, the mechanic that's fi- fixing our car, or our, our 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 kid's elementary school teacher, or or the cashier at, at, at the gas station, God. Or Lord, help us to see everyone with your eyes, God. Help us to see every non-believer as a precious person that you desperately want back with you. And Lord, let the way that we behave and the way that we talk to them and the way that we greet them and the way that we regard them reflect that truth, God, that, that you, 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 you have a limited amount of time to bring them into your harvest, God. I know you're looking for laborers, God, so I pray, Lord, that all of us would say yes to being a laborer in your harvest God and when it gets hard Lord let us remember these men in Colossians and these women in the Bible that, that that paid so many prices and went through so many sufferings God so that people can know about you Jesus so help us to be supported by your spirit and by your grace let us have courage let us be brave let us be gracious Lord let us have faith and most importantly Lord let the love that you have for people be our motivator. Let us be driven by love. Let us be moved by love. Let us act by the power, under the power of your love, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, we're about to close out. I wanna ask us all to stand. I wanna give everyone an opportunity To say yes to Jesus. And because of this message, you know that when you say yes to Jesus, you're also saying yes to a ministry. A ministry that God is going to give you all the power and grace, all the ideas, all the zeal you need. Um, So repeat this prayer after me and let's just watch God do something great in our hearts this morning or this afternoon. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess That Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of all my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's wake up. Let's make some sound for God that we love him, that we believe in him. That we trust Him, God. We thank you. We bless you. I want to ask everybody who's been assigned to pray to come down front. We've got a few people here that are here to serve you. If you need prayer for anything on your way out, don't hesitate. Please come down. Let us pray. We want to bless you. If there's any healing in your body that you need, if there's any encouragement you need, uh, please come on down. And on, the, on your way out, we will be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, y'all, uh, we've got uh, a way you c- can connect with us. If you text the word BELONG to 77411, if you said yes to the Lord Jesus, or if you just want to get more connected, you can text the word BELONG to 77411. And we'll connect with you that way. And then... If you want to give, thank you in advance. You can give online or our finance team is in the lobby and they can help you there. Uh, Man, I love you guys. I pray that y'all have a great rest of your afternoon. Um, I pray God's blessings over you. Enjoy your day. Go eat some lunch. We'll talk soon. I'll see you next week. Altar is open. Please come down for prayer if you need it. Don't be shy.